0: Hi, I'm Philip Santillan, pastor of Clarity Church, and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen or view this podcast of a message from one of our Sunday gatherings. Before we get going here, I just wanted to communicate to you the deep conviction we have regarding this message. This free message resource is not intended as a broadcast ministry, which would create virtual attenders listening from home rather than getting involved in their local church. We hope that no matter where you are on your faith journey, that this podcast is only supplemental to your relationship with the Lord and in no way replaces the local church that you should be plugged into or the pastor God has put over your life to lead you and care for your soul. So please enjoy this incomplete portion of this past week's gathering. We have prayed that God would use it in a profound way in your life and that from it you would gain clarity on who Christ is. Good morning! How are you doing? Good? Hey, uh, I'm so excited to be here. How about you? Excited to be here? Yeah, I'm really glad to be here. It's a new year, and I'm looking forward to a new me, and hopefully you're looking forward to a new you. And um, if this is your first time with us, if you are our guest today, I just want to welcome you. My name is Phil, and uh, I want to welcome you to one of our gatherings, our, our, our Clarity Church gatherings, where those of us who call ourselves Clarity work really hard so that uh, we could hopefully sit in some rows, and at the end of the day, what we really, really hope is that all of us would find just a little bit more clarity on what Christ has done for us, what he wants to do, and, uh, and what he is doing in us. And so, uh, that's why we exist, and uh, now before we move into the message part of today, I do I take, want to take a little time out. This is uh, not a message part, don't worry, there's no preaching, but I do have a, a little announcement to talk about uh, before we go on. Um, specifically, I want to talk to those of you who call Clarity Home. You would say, yeah, I'm part of Clarity Church. Clarity Church is not something that I go to. It's, it's part of who I am. I feel part of that family. And um, there's no secret to the reality that Clarity Church is both, uh, first and foremost, it is a church, it's a gathering of people who love Jesus and who want to live on mission together as family. Uh, but second of all, we are also an organization, right? So we are an organization and we are the people who are not only learning to increasingly submit all of life to Jesus Christ, but we're also the, the people who have organized in our local governments to to operate as a nonprofit. And so uh, one of the things that we want to Talk about every once in a while is just giving an opportunity for people to to uh, join us in what we would call our core partnership and basically, our core partnership is the group of constituents. if you know anything about five one three nonprofits uh, you can 't exist unless you have some type of constituency and a board and you know it 's just for good accountability and uh, If you want more information about what does it mean to be a core partner, we want to invite you january twenty ninth after our gathering. We're going to be holding a core partner class. You can find more information about that, or if you've attended a class before and you kind of want a refresher, and maybe you're you're ready to cross that mark uh, at that class, you will have an opportunity to, you know, say, hey, yeah, I, I, I'm all in. And so um, I just want to let you know about that. And uh, Jeff, when he comes back up later after this message, he'll probably just give you a little bit more information about that. So, anyways, today is week two of a series called New Year, New You. And the hope is that you would not just pursue this new year with aimless direction and meaningless monotony. But that uh, I believe there is a God-sized vision that all of us can have. And last week we talked about that. So if you missed it, you're going to have to go listen to the podcast once it gets up. Um, Now, this week... I want to help those of you who feel as though you found maybe a little bit of clarity around the vision that God has for your life. Maybe last week, or maybe you weren't even here, but this is just something that you've been thinking about. And and, and what I want to do is I want to just take uh, a few things and talk about them, and specifically about what the scriptures have to say that I believe can bring incredible focus to the pursuit of God's vision for your life. Because last week, um, when we talked about vision, we talked about the what, what is that vision, and we talked about that, and how do you find that vision, and how do you, you know, recognize the ruins of the, uh, ruins within the sphere of your influence that might cause you to go yes god's calling me to this to, do, to, to bring restoration to this or that?" This week, I want to talk about the how, so I want to talk about the pragmatics of what sometimes people will refer to as Accomplishing God's plan or God's will for their life. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know if you know this or not, but I need to let you know on a little secret it's God's will for you today to hear this message. Yes, I'm talking to you. In fact, what are the odds that you could just happen to be here on this Sunday? Sitting in that chair, getting ready to hear this message. I mean, oh my goodness, I'm getting chills right now, just thinking about it. It was God-ordained, and of all the churches you could be with on Sunday, and you could have chosen to be at, you are this one, and oh my goodness. And, And listen, because it's God's will for you to hear this message, here's a little warning, here's a little warning. If you miss this, if you miss this moment, if you miss it, there's probably a good chance... You will completely, I love you, but I got to tell you this. You will completely miss out on God's will. You see, God has a plan A for you. If you don't listen today, you're going to have to settle for plan B, which, right, is, is, is second place. And we all know what second place means, right? First place loser, Okay. So what I want you to do today is pull out your wallets and then, no, I'm Kate. So now, of course, listen, let me just be clear. Everything I've just said is complete baloney, right? I don't know. I don't know if it's God's will for you to be here today and to listen to this message. I have no idea if, if that's God's expressed will for you to be here at this exact moment. But I do know this, that you could probably benefit and by listening to the content of what we have to say. And I, and I think if you have a God-sized vision of your life, and maybe you might not call it that. Might, maybe you might call it this. You might call it uh, hopes and dreams. You might call it this, a a calling or a purpose, whatever you would call it. If you have that, then today might be helpful as you pursue accomplishing whatever it is that, you know, whether you're a Christian or not, it feels like it's your life's calling. But especially if you're a follower of Christ, it's something that you feel that God is calling you towards. To be honest, uh, I, I will admit, it seems like there is abundance of people who uh, who wants you to believe lies about how God communicates his will. I mean, I don't know about you, but have you ever watched, like, just... um, Televangelists are funny. Um, Not all of them are bad, but some of them are funny. I'll use the word funny. Uh, I'll I'll tell you this one story. my, my buddy John and I, and some of you know Paul Stewart. Uh, we, we were taking this road trip. John bought this car in Georgia, and he said, "Would you come with me? And we'll fly there, and then we'll pick the car up and drive it back." It's like, "Okay, cool." And so, uh, on, the one, on, on the way back, we stopped. Obviously, we didn't drive all the way. We stopped at a hotel, and then so we get late at the hotel, and, and we're wa- and, and here's something that drives my wife nuts. Um, I like to do. I think it's funny. Uh, it's better than the comedy channel, and nobody swears. Uh, but I like to go to the, the, um, the religious channel. <laughs> And just, just, and uh, and it was so funny because Jean gets out of the shower. And he's like, "What are you watching?" And there's this guy in there going, "You know, in, in Isaiah 58, it says," and then he talks about something. And he said, "So, so what you need to, what I need you to do is look at the TV right now, and I need you to extend your hand out and just agree." And then I need 58 people to give 58 dollars. 58 people to get, and so, and so now you, sometimes you'll hear this phrase uh, uh, between us if, you, if you're ever in a conversation, we're like, dude, don't be a 58-er. So um, anyways, so now, now you know what that means, and you can look at yourself, if anyone's, you know, giving you a bunch of baloney, be like, why are you being a 58-er? Uh, but you know, there are things in our lives, there are tons of people in our lives who try to, I don't know, and for the sake of religion, speak on these type of things, and, and listen, my, my goal today is this. To not be a 58er, first of all. But my my goal today is to help all of us become the kind of people that Ephesians 4.14 says... And it says this, that, and that we could, we could say this with integrity. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. And so here's a little disclaimer. Everything that I'm going to say today, especially if you grew up in the church, you've heard it before. The, the problem isn't knowledge. The problem is action. And so today I just want to remind some of us who have grown up in church and maybe read the scripture of what you already know. And then for some of you, this is the first time and, and I just want to lovingly let you know that this is, whether you have doubts about who God is and, and the Bible, listen, if you would take this and consider it as truth for your own, I, I, I guarantee it will help you accomplish and pursue the vision that God has placed in your life Now, as we look back up at our growing years, uh, we've all had some things that we probably have bought into that we realize are myths, right? And uh, most of these myths are relatively harmless. For once, uh, one was this one, right? Uh, co- uh, Coke and Pop Rocks. How many remember, remember? Remember the myth, right? If you were to eat Pop Rocks and drink Coke really quickly, what would happen? You would look like that girl, right? And then that's not really true, right? And the other one is this. Uh, don't swallow your gum. Or it will be in your stomach for seven years, or this might happen, right? So, um, you know, so you don't, don't, don't swallow your gum, your mom told you. Uh, uh, The other one was this, a penny dropped from the Empire State Building could kill somebody, right? And that's total myth, that's total myth. Um, The other one is this, uh, guys think about sex every 30 seconds. It's actually 10, but um, now I couldn't find an appropriate picture, so I just found this. So hopefully this will do. All right. Now, urban legends and myths don't just exist in our culture, and they don't evolve in our culture. They evolve in our churches, too. And the reason why they evolve is because they make sense. They seem logical. Uh, They don't really sound stupid. Uh, But if you dig beneath the surface, you realize that when they bump into real life, it just doesn't work. And I think that one of the biggest frustrations that we have with this when coming to understand God's will for our lives and trying to find focus on it and create next steps, I think that all of us, regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey, would love to be able to unlock the secret, maybe, of clearly hearing or understanding the voice of God, right? And we'd love to know what God wants. Because if we could clearly hear the voice of God, if we could totally understand, then we could ask him important questions like, Where should I live, God? Who should I marry? Where should I go to college? What career path should I take? How many kids should I have? How many? Three? Yeah, stop there. Okay, yes, Lord. (laughs) I'll stop there. Or you know, Lord, is it gonna be Bachelorette one or two? (laughs) You know, I don't know. What is it gonna be, Lord? And when we get obsessed with these questions, if we, could really, we, if we could really hear God's voice clearly, we would get all these important life questions answered, and, and we would be so happy, right? But because God's voice at times isn't very clear, and most of the time we kind of end up in this little fog, hoping that we've chosen the right path for our life, hoping that we're living in the will of God, the, uh, here's what happens. The assumption that we tend to make is this. Uh, some of us, we do this. If life is going good... That I must be in God's will. The decisions that I'm making, the path that I've chosen to take, it must be good if life is going good, right? Which is, which is the reason why we probably don't think too much about God's will when life is comfortable. Because when life is comfortable and things are going well, we assume that we are what? In God's will, right? Makes sense. But, but when things are going bad, when we lose a job, and heaven forbid, we'd lose a loved one, we'd lose a child, we'd leave a, uh, a wife, we'd lose a friend, or someone betrays us, then we start to wonder if we are really living in God's will, and we start to pray and ask God to fix our situation. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to try to determine God's will in some pretty unhealthy ways because we are making the assumption that God is either for us, or he's against us based on our comfort. And so today, I I really wanna take a look at what God's will is not, and then talk about what God's will really is and how we can begin pursuing the vision God has for us in the way he really wants for us. And so uh, if you have your notes, you can follow along here, and I'm just gonna talk about a couple different things, and I'm gonna um, point to how I think the scripture brings light and actually is the foundation for these thoughts. And uh, and then I'll wrap it up at the end with uh, maybe a couple practical things for us. And so here's the first thing, without further ado. God's will is not a blueprint. God's will is not a blueprint. Now, some of you can get this already. If you're building a house, right, and uh, if you're building a house and... Uh, You know, you you really try to control every single part of the building process, right? But God doesn't try to control every single part of your life. God doesn't look at your life with excruciating detail and micromanagement like a blueprint. And, and sometimes we feel that's how, sometimes how we view God's will, you know, we're going to spend a lot, and and, and a lot of us, we spend a lot of time in fear and, and some of us, we become paralyzed in decision-making because we don't want to mess up. We think it's a blueprint. Like, you know, you can't just go to the person that's constructing your home and, you know, he says, well, where do you want this wall? And you're like, you know, this support wall, I don't know, just put it anywhere. Yeah, I don't know. you know, and you can't build a blueprint and then just all of a sudden change. You know, what, you know, the you can't remove that column because why? The, it affects the rest, right? And sometimes, in when we treat God's will as if though it was a blueprint, we develop what I call Back to the Future Syndrome, right? Back to the Future Syndrome. Back to the Future Syndrome is is when is when uh, was when. when When the entire time-space continuum gets out of whack because of one decision we make in our lives. And if you're not careful, Marty, you will break the time-space continuum and we won't be able to get back to the future, right? And so that's my best Marty McFly. Uh, Not Marty McFly, but Doc. But listen, it's this idea that we think that, that God has one perfect career, that God has one perfect spouse, that God has one perfect path and that our life is supposed to follow that. And we can never fail because if we do, we can never get back that perfect, perfect will that God has for us and the time space continuum is forever out of whack and listen (laughs) that's crazy sounding and it makes for a good movie but that's where it's supposed to stay because that's not how real life is unfortunately this is how a lot of people and believe it or not this is how a lot of Christians think but God's will is not a blueprint God's will is more of like a game plan if you follow any sport, if you're not a sport person, don't check me out here. I, I, I want to use this illustration. I, oh, sport illustration, one of those pastors. But this is a good illustration. Just follow along with me. There's a game plan. For example, in football, right? Go Steelers. In football, there's a, in football there are a ton of options in every single play. You know, I follow the Steelers right? There's tons of options. Big Ben can throw to, you know, Antonio Brown. He could hand it off to Le'Veon Bell, or Le'Veon Bell is the kind of back that you could throw it in on on the cut in. There's tons of options. So if they're showing, you know, run, you could pass, you can do the quick slant. There's tons of different options, but here's what we know. You have a lot of freedom to make choices, but there's still boundaries, right? There's still rules, right? You can't touch the wide receivers because they're fairies, right? (laughs) You don't want to touch them because they'll cry, so you can't touch them. But you can rough them up at the line, that's about it, right? You can't go out of bounds, right? You can't go, and there's a goal. You don't want to score on this end because that's called a safety, right? But you want to go that, and so there's a lot of rules, right? There's a lot of rules. But how the game goes, there's a lot of what? Freedom. And so God's will is not a blueprint. It's, it's more like a game plan, Uh in fact, uh, I was talking with someone this week about this kind of concept, and 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 uh, this happened to be what I was talking about this week. And I said, hey, well, "Let me just share what I'm mean, talking about this week." And I said, "Look, in Proverbs three, five, and six, we all know this verse. and so, Not all of us, but you know, a lot of us who grew up in church kind of know this verse. And it says this: Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths." Right. And, and sometimes people, when they, when they read this, they, they're like, oh, you know, trust in Lord, and, and then, and then he, will, he, will make my, he will direct my path. He will tell me what to do. He will, he will tell me where to go. But you have to understand that in the Hebrew, there is no sense of tense. And so this idea of God will making your path straight, one of the ways to look at it is, yes, God does ordain. I'm not saying that he doesn't ever tell you his will. I'm just saying most of the time, here's what God does. He makes straight your path. And the word there for path is really uh, a phrase that means you're walking, the choices that you make. And so if you would imagine this, I'm walking. And if I trust in the Lord along my walking, the present tense, God will in my walking, as I choose to walk, will say, hey, turn left. You know, or if you're on Peyton Manning's team, you know, Omaha, Omaha, Omaha." right? And so, God will make paths, makes you straight paths. And so the question is this, how does God make straight lines out of crooked sticks? Because if you know the truth, we all have a tendency to be crooked sticks. But so how does God end up drawing straight lines with that? Well, what I would like to suggest and really what I'll make the most of our time talking about is this, it's that we can find God's guidelines for his game plan within the scriptures. And I know that's so disappointing because we want thunder. We want lightning. We want the, whoo, you know, we want the the happenstances, and we want the we want all that. But listen, God chose to move on the hearts of forty individuals over the course of sixteen hundred years, who wrote letters and recorded biographies and wrote poetry. And little did they know that what that God would take what they wrote and weave them together, and, and what He desires to comp- to communicate what He wants to uh, uh, accomplish in our life, and He would weave them together as one. Story. Story of his dealings with all mankind. Sometimes we call it the gospel, the good news. And so when we read the scriptures, we get a clearer picture of who God is and what he has done and what he desires to accomplish in us. That's why Romans 12 two says this, do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's, listen, what, his what? His will. Oh, we found it, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So we want to answer the big questions of life, and God is saying, in light of this verse, just deal with the sin in your life that you keep putting off first. Some of you, you have a vision for healthy relationships, but you still refuse to forgive. Some of you have a vision for being a generous person but if you're honest with yourself you you won't stop living a selfish and greedy life which keeps you from being a good steward of your finances you want that vision for your life but you you just won't stop copying the behaviors and customs of this world uh, some of you want to have a blessed marriage one day you're not married yet and you want to have a blessed marriage someday but you're still living in sexual immorality But you want God to bless your marriage, but you're still copying the behaviors and customs of this world. And listen, when we take time to allow God to transform our thinking through his word, his ways, you'll find, will become more obvious to us. And one of the reasons that we have the scriptures is so that we can clearly understand the guidelines that God wants us to operate in. That's why the psalm writer says this, your word is a lamp to guide my feet. And a light to my path. So the scriptures, if you can imagine, serves as a light on the decisions we make. So we could truly see whether or not we are in bounds or out of bounds. And one of the best examples for understanding how the playing field is set up comes, I believe, from a letter Paul wrote to a church in Colossae. And this is where we'll spend the rest of our time. So in Colossians chapter 1, it says this, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his what? Of his will. And to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Everyone say good fruit. Good fruit. Good. So here's the first guideline. What's the first guideline? As you're looking for direction and focus for the vision of your life is this. Make decisions that bear good fruit. Oh, I wonder if I should, here's the vision God has placed for my life. What's my next step? Should I do this? Well, I don't know. Does it help you bear good fruit? Is making that decision going to bear good fruit? Because listen, God is not as interested in what you say you believe about the vision for your life and what you say about you, what you believe God wants from you and for you in as much as he is in, uh, in, in how you live out your beliefs. God cares about how your faith in him is leading to action. Is your decisions making a difference in this world? And throughout, history's, many, throughout history, many Christians get misled into thinking that the way to make an impact in this world is simply to, I don't know, vote on a certain politician into office or, or maybe they want to try to live a really, really, really moral life. But the rest of the world doesn't really care, honestly, what you believe. What they're most impacted by is how you live. And so good fruit, good deeds lends credibility to the love and grace of Jesus that is living inside of the people who call themselves followers of Christ. And that's, and that's why, um, and that's why uh, Jesus says what he says in, in Matthew 5, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can, can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Listen, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. No. I'm going to let it shine, right? <laughs> so we you know that song. Instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house, and here's the point. Verse 16, in the same way, let your what? good deeds, your good fruit shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So the question is, what exactly is good fruit? Well, if you're a minion, it's bananas, right? <laughs> There's that picture again. But listen, if you're not a minion, which is probably 100% of us, good fruits are decisions that lead people towards knowing and worshiping God. That's what good fruit says. Good fruits are decisions that lead people, leading yourself, leading others, towards knowing And then eventually worshiping God. And if you get tripped up by the phrase worshiping, uh, it's just another way of saying this. Living in a state of of, of, of knowing and recognizing who God really is. That's what we do in worship. When we sing those songs, what we're doing is we're going, yes, I believe God is who he says he is and who I am in light of the scriptures. God is a good, good father. Romans tells us that that's who he is, and I'm loved by him. That's why we sing those kind of songs. And, that, and so, anyways, um, uh, Paul goes on to say, all the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you have all endurance and patience you need, And may you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belong to his people who live in the light. So guideline number one is make decisions that bear good fruit. If there was going to be another sideline on the other side, another guideline, it would be this. Make decisions that require, require you to trust God more. See, God's will is less about an absence of hardship and trial. God's will is more about opportunities for you to grow in endurance and in patience. And that is the secret to being a person full of joy and gratitude. Someone who can live out this idea of may you be filled with joy and always thanking God the Father? Do you want to be a person who has joy and who is always living your life with this idea of like, oh my God, goodness, no matter what, you know, God, I thank you. I thank you. You know what? Uh, Life is hard right now, but you know what? I thank you because by your grace and power, I have a hope. I have a living future. Oh my goodness, you know, life is, you know, I, I don't know where, what's gonna happen in my life and, you know, the future and I just lost my job. But God, yeah, I trust in you and I I, I trust in you and I'm thankful to you because you said that you know, you know about the sparrow and you even know the numbers on my head. And so I don't have to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of its own. And I can trust you for today. And so this is, this is, this is what we want to be. This is the kind of people we want to be. And so the guideline is this. Make decisions that, well, that require you to trust God more. And so don't believe the lie that God... And this is a lie. I don't know if you you knew this or not. And some of you might have said this before. Some people say this. You know, God won't give you more than you can handle. Everyone ever, anyone ever heard that? God won't give you anything. I don't know where in the world you got that from. I mean, I, I, all the disciples ended up dying... If that was true for them, then they'd be alive. I mean, they wouldn't have died. They wouldn't have been persecuted. And too many people read 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says, you know, and God will not suffer you above that you're able to be tempted, but will with temptation make a way to escape? And they think, oh, that means that God's going to never give me more than I can handle. But they forget that the same author who wrote that in another letter to clarify what he had said in this previous letter in 2 Corinthians, and I have this written out for you, 2 Corinthians twelve eight through 10, Paul, the same guy who wrote that verse that a lot of people go, that's the verse that says God won't give me more than I can handle. Here's what he says. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, don't worry, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And so now I'm able, so now I'm able and, and I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and trouble I suffer for Christ for when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. Strong. Now, these are just a few examples of what it means to allow the scriptures to be your guide when it comes to God's will. And if you want to find focus for the God-sized vision in your life, you start with scriptures. If you're a follower of Christ. Now, don't have to, if you don't believe in Jesus, but listen, if you are someone who says, I follow Jesus, you have no, we have no choice. This is our guidebook. Now, just because I didn't spend a lot of time talking about it, about prayer, it doesn't mean that prayer is not important. But listen, if you're going to want, uh, if you're going to want to understand what is God's will in your life, you're going to have to spend lots of time in prayer So you can listen to God's spirit and then check it against the scripture. It works together, by the way. And then when you do that, you will learn to not only be uh, uh, courageous, you will also um, be able to listen with wisdom the advice that other people give you in your life. And really, this is kind of the last thing, if I was gonna say, would be uh, helpful as you're trying to find focus on the vision of your life, is this? The last thing I think that is important is this. Uh, uh, it's, it's what Proverbs 13:10 alludes to, where it says, "Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise." So Proverbs 27:6 says, "Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy." And 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 here's the thing: God not only speaks through people that you may consider a spiritual leader, but He speaks through people in your life that are trustworthy. And whose lives are lives that are, are far, uh, you know, that are forward leaning into who God is. And, 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 and they're, they're trying to please Christ. And so you need to invite the wisdom of others to bring focus to your vision. Invite others, invite the wisdom of others to bring focus to your vision. That's why you need to be in a community. Because you need to have people in your life who are moving in the same direction spiritually as you, so that you have a built in support system for wise advice. And so, when you bump into something in life and you need some godly wisdom, if you haven't already built a network of friends, listen, you can't do it retroactively. You can't run into life's hardships where you need wisdom and then go, I probably should build a network. Of people who can give that to me. It's too late. You need to be in community with people proactively. And so make the decision to put yourself in a position to have people in your life that you can rely on for advice when you need it. And so here's the bottom line, and then I'll be quiet that it's this most of the time, God's will is not about what you do, it's about what you're becoming. Does that make sense? It's, i mean what you do is important right we just talked about good fruits but if you get it if you if you if you put too much attention about how your to do list helps you accomplish your vision and you don't recognize that your to do list is more about putting you in a journey of becoming more like christ you will become frustrated with accomplishing the vision in your life and honestly you will not you will you will have a you will have finished the to-do list and have felt like you have not accomplished anything. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've crossed everything off, you got the job, you married the girl, you had the two and a half kids, you bought the minivan, and you still feel like something's amiss. Why? Because you missed out on the opportunity that God wanted to do something in you through the process of what he was asking to do through you does that make sense? so god doesn't care listen some of you might be offended by this and you can we can grab coffee and i can explain myself later but i just got to say this god doesn't care where you work nearly as much as he cares about how you do your work god doesn't care where you live as much as he cares about how you live where you're planted God doesn't care about who you marry. I, oh man, I had a conversation just the other day with, uh, with Kira, and we, we were having coffee, talking about photography, and, and, and I went on my little entourage about, of the one, okay? And some of you heard me talk about the whole concept of the one, and I don't believe in that. And, and God, but listen, God doesn't really care about who you marry as much as he cares about how you do Marriage. And as you look to bring focus for your God-side vision, remember that God's will is not a blueprint. It's a game plan. And God is most concerned about who you're becoming. Let me pray.